My name is Jameer Dixon, and I'm a locating Mark Fieldman for PG&E. I protect people. I protect our community. I protect our environment. When you call A11, I come out to your house, and I mark out our gas lines and our electric lines to make sure that you don't hit them when you're digging. A11 is at the heart of safety. I want people to know what's underneath them when they're digging. I'm passionate about it because every time I go on the street, I think about my own kids. A11 is a free service. Even if you're planning a garden, no project is too small to call A11. Together, we're building a better California. Welcome to Pauli Malinaji from Brooklyn to the world. Proudly representing his hometown of Brooklyn, New York. Pauli Malinaji takes you inside the ring and beyond. I'm definitely far from shy. We're going to be ranting about a lot of stuff. Not just about boxing, I'm opinionated on life in general, many sports topics and politics. Pauli doesn't hold back. The two time world champion, Pauli the Paulie Malinaji, Peter Pauls, Brooklyn to the World, Showtime Boxing. Still don't know what we're actually called, but we're back on the air. We're, uh, we're a man short. We're a man short uh, this week as uh, Peter Pauls' wife seems to have gone into slight labor. So uh, I think, uh, I think uh, Peter's going to be a, a follower for the second time around come, uh, come the next time we do the show. Very happy uh, for him. Yeah, happy for him, and uh, we're hoping all things will all go well. I'm, uh, I'm actually flying to... England tomorrow night, so I'm gonna to try to get to the hospital tonight. Hopefully, she uh, she delivers the baby tonight, and uh, all goes well. And that's that, you know. What uh, we have, Seth Nyman, got the point, boom. Yeah. In the house. We got a. So we're gonna we're gonna try to carry the show on our own. What do we got? A future welterweight coming out? What do we got? What do you think, Pete's gonna have? A lot of stuff. But first of all, I wanna uh, you know uh, say give some thoughts to the, the people that were out in England and the, the tragedy that just happened in Manchester. I've uh, I've been to Manchester uh, several different times in my life. Uh, I've fought in Manchester. Uh, some of the best people I've met uh, in boxing. The fans were just terrific people. Uh, just to met some, just some of the friendliest people you run into in that city. Uh, it's actually my favorite city in, in England. Um, as uh, as I have uh, only been there, Liverpool and London. Although Liverpool's not bad either. London was just too crowded, but met some of the coolest people, man, some of the nicest people and some of the uh, most fun people out in Manchester, you know, and I have some friends there as well. So just uh, have my thoughts and prayers out with uh, everybody out there in that city. I, I know they're a strong city. I know they're, uh, they don't, they don't uh, bow down to anybody and, and uh, let this scare them. But, uh, you know, I think uh, hopefully the government starts to, uh, you know, take more precautionary measures and, do what needs to be done to keep people safe. More so than just we'll just live our lives. I tweeted about this yesterday. I saw we'll that. Live our lives it doesn't it doesn't exactly matter. You gotta actually do stuff too, and hopefully uh, there's some things they figure out they can get done security-wise and whatnot. I'm actually flying there. I'm actually flying into Manchester uh, tomorrow night. You know, uh, I'm obviously the fight is in Sheffield Saturday, but I'm flying into Manchester tomorrow night, so uh, I'm, I'm I'm expecting probably extra security, extra security measures, even for my flight in, in particular. You know, so I'm so sure. We'll, uh, We'll see how that goes. But um, the show goes on. I, there was some talk, actually, of the show being canceled for a little bit. Um, there was talk of uh, all, all events in the north of England uh, being canceled this weekend. And so there was a threat that the fights uh, would be canceled. Uh, Saturday's fight will be canceled, you know. As a matter of fact, when I got up this morning, that was kind of the, the talk I was hearing. You know, uh, I heard Brady Mark from Barclay Center was fielding uh, questions about uh, the possibly bringing the fight over to Barclay Center in the in the next three or four weeks, being that way it would have to be moved. But um, 
in the end, they decided to keep the fight in England. I'm glad they did, because one, from one side, you say, okay, you know, we're not going to let you stop us from living our lives. I, I like that, you know? But again, you have to do stuff about it. You know, I, I, I hope and expect there will be extra security measures um, getting into the stadium on Saturday night. Uh, I would expect armed soldiers uh, being at the, at the stadium. Uh, not that it matters when somebody is blowing themselves up and having a machine gun soldier with you doesn't really matter, you know? So yeah. you got to actually have the metal detectors and you got to have the, the bomb-sniffing dogs at the entrances of these stadiums and all these events constantly all the time now because, you know, there's people walking in with explosives. So as safe as, because I, you know, I know when I go into an airport, I feel safe when I see a, a soldier with a machine gun. I, I mean, personally, I feel better, you know what I'm saying? Personally, but yep. when somebody's going to blow themselves up, it doesn't really matter if the guy has a machine gun because the guy's going to blow himself up and he's going to kill everybody who was next to him in that moment, you know? So the soldier with the machine gun is kind of helpless in that moment because what is he going to shoot? The guy killed himself on the spot, you know? So, so it's more important. The bomb-sniffing dogs, I think, are a big, big thing right now. You know, you got to breed more of them. you got to have more of them. you got to train more of them. we got them here you in our building, Paulie. They're here. Every, I see them all the time every day. Well, obviously they weren't. They obviously weren't in Man Arena, in, in no. Manchester Arena last no. night. The guy got in there with an explosive device, you know? Can you so, think of a more innocent topic, uh, target than a bunch of young, innocent girls? I mean, it's just so horrible. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just innocent girls. It's guys among the victims, too, you know? Um, it's, uh, yeah, but everybody young. Everybody's young. Everybody, you know, they was, the victims clearly were young. And I was watching the news. It was a 22-year-old uh, suicide bomber. So it was a, a, young, a young suicide bomber, too, you know? So, I mean, uh, the youth targeted the youth. It's... Well, they're raised to do that since they're seven, eight years old. They're raised to do that. Yes, it's so sad. You know, yep. so sad seeing some Terrible. I hope everything goes smooth house. for your trip, man. Yeah, leave your house. You know, so excited as a child, as a young person, to go see this great concert, as a performer, or, you know, so famous right now, Ariana Grande, and then just life just, the family's life will never be the same again. Just so tragic, so tragic. I saw some of the pictures of the victims. Ugh. So tragic. And uh, my hearts and prayers and thoughts are all... Uh, with these people, you know? Same for me. Um, so, having said that, you know, now we're going to move on to this week because I have to fly into Manchester nonetheless, and uh, we'll head to Sheffield for Saturday's fight. You know, uh, Brooke and Spence, my favorite fight on the schedule. Um, I have been excited for this fight for quite some time. Um, I think it's, I think uh, we did a, a fighter meeting today with both fighters. We did it on a teleconference, and Errol's, Errol brought out a good point. He said, Keith Thurman might have the best wins in the welterweight division. He goes, but I think me and Kel are the best fighters in the welterweight division. And although Keith is a dynamite fighter, you know, I, I think it's it's not that you're you're pushed to agree with him there because I don't I don't think you can rate Keith below them necessarily because Keith is dynamite, Keith is good, and Keith punches hard. I mean, there's nothing to not like about Keith Thurman, but you hope that there's three dynamite fighters here, man, in the welterweight division. I mean, three just total destroyers and, and just and just really um intelligent destroyers, you know, uh not just destroyers that are just come to take your head off. They come to take your head off but in a in a in a way where they're thinking fighters, you know, they know how to set the traps and think and they just hope that everybody can get together and fight. Uh, I would love to see the winner of this fight Saturday night fight Keith Thurman. I mean it would this is this is like I haven't seen this since uh, the La Jolla Trinidad and Whitaker in the welterweight division, you know. Yeah. Um, and then when it was quite I quarte as well, you know. I remember there was a Ring magazine I had bought when I was a teenager, called and the, the cover was Walter Skelter, you know, and it was uh, Quarte, Whitaker, uh, uh, Trinidad, and De La Jolla on the cover, you know. And I think you have sort of a Walter Skelter once again, you know, um, with the uh, these three guys being the top of the list with the. Uh, 
Thurman, uh, Brooke, Spence, uh, and then just even just literally just barely right below them. I mean, and just barely right below them, you have guys like Porter and Garcia. So, sure. so I mean, it's welter-skelter to the highest degree right now. Um, it is really a uh, fun, fun time for these fights because they're also coming together. It's, it seems, especially uh, especially this year. So, so I'm, uh, I can't wait. You know, I can't uh, wait Saturday night. It's been my favorite fight on the schedule. Hard to break it down. People keep asking me for a winner and to predict a winner. I myself um, sometimes lean one way, sometimes lean the other way. It's hard to really de- decipher which way I want to go. Uh, I can see so many possibilities. And, uh, and you know, I may say one day one guy wins. It doesn't mean I want anybody to win. I really I really wish the best for these two fighters. I like them very much, you know. So uh, I don't I – don't, I, don't, I rarely ever root for somebody – um, in a fight, you know, unless I'm really, really good friends with one fighter more than the other, you know, because I know all these guys, I'm in the same business with these guys, and, and I, uh, uh, you know, there's always a mutual respect, and more so than anything, I understand what it's like to be a fighter going for your dreams and attempting your dreams and to go for it, you know, so I don't see a reason to ever root against anybody, you know what I'm saying, I always kind of root for both guys, hoping they can give the best performance possible and be safe, and and, um, you know, the winner hopefully goes on to great things, and the loser hopefully doesn't get knocked too far down the ladder, you know, because I always hope for the best for all these fighters. It's a tough way to make a living, you know, so. You know, we posted uh, the reveal with Mark Kriegel uh, with Errol Spence. Uh, we posted it here on the podcast. You guys can check it out. He is not short of confidence, I can tell you that. He's, he's, got, he's got a quiet confidence about him, Errol Spence, and he seems like he's really looking forward to this fight. Yeah, and then rightfully so. I mean, this kid has been, uh, you know, the, the sort of a diamond of the 2012 Olympic team. You know, uh, uh, he's, uh, you know, a lot of people in, uh, on that team, a lot of good fighters on that team that are, you know, coming up the ladder and whatnot. But Errol's clearly have been the most impressive, uh, and he's been the one that, uh, yeah, everybody's been most talking about. And so, having said that, you know, now it's going to be his moment, his attempt to shine. You know, and, and sometimes you wind up in a situation where. You know, it's the luck of the draw as far as the guy you're going to fight for the world title. You know, sometimes it's a weaker world champion, sometimes it's a stronger world champion, sometimes it's a vacant title. You know, um, in this particular situation, Errol's first world title shot is coming against a very, very good fighter. I mean, just a, a, a dynamite fighter. You know, sometimes you get your shot against a guy like that, and sometimes you get your shot against a, a gimme kind of opponent. You know, my first world title fight came against Miguel Cotto. You know, my, my second world title fight came against Love Morendo, who had given Cotto a hellacious fight not that long before. So, so uh, you know, but in this particular situation, Errol, once again, he's, 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 he's the guy who's been anointed by the American media. He's been a terrific fighter. He's got everything going for him. He's a great fighter, a great personality. Um... Uh, a good person in general, um, but this is no gimme. This is no gimme at all. You know, no. This is dynamite fighting dynamite. I mean, this is like, you know, you know, this is like, you know, pick of the litter type of fighters. You know, where these guys are just the two, the two premier guys that you want to see fight each other. Uh, again, with you also want to see Thurman in the mix. But the fact that these two are getting in there and, and doing it against each other, this is, this is, this is. This is a treat. This is this is a gift kind of stuff for boxing fans, you know. And hopefully, it's appreciated by the fans because, uh, you know, you don't want if, if Errol wins, you don't want to say you don't want to. I I never I don't want to hear oh well he won a world title against a guy who hadn't fought a lot of guys because Kel didn't fight a lot of guys because nobody would fucking fight the guy. You know what I'm saying? So it's not it's not fair to Kel because if he hasn't fought all the top names in the welterweight division, if they wouldn't get in the ring with him. You know, he got in the ring with the guy he, who he would get in the ring with, and that was Sean Porter, because he was the mandatory. Because otherwise, believe me, not even that, nobody would have fought this guy, you know? So, so um... I think he's proven himself to be a great, great fighter. 
Huh? I think he's proven himself to be a great fighter, Cal. Yeah, you know. so if Errol beats him, I don't want to hear this, that kind of stuff from uh, from media, from idiot fans. I don't want to hear that. And, of course, if Cal beats Errol, it's the same thing. He beat a kid who had this young kid beat. Uh, you know, he hadn't fought anybody yet, whatnot. Errol fought who he could fight. He fought ex-world junior welterweight champion Chris Algieri. It was a solid win, even if Chris's best weight is probably super lightweight. He, Leonard Bundu, okay, maybe he's not one of the world champion, but he's been a, he's a guy who's, who's never been stopped and is a difficult, uh, awkward guy to fight, or, or a very crafty guy to fight. Errol took him out in a very professional manner. Um, I don't want to hear that, oh, man, oh, you know, when, if Chubb beats him, oh, you know what, oh, well, Errol really wasn't what had he done. You don't judge fighters on paper. And both of these guys, if you're going to judge on paper, then go watch ping pong or something. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> both of these guys cannot be judged on paper because both of these guys are guys that have really haven't haven't been challenged by a lot of the divisions elite because everybody wants to stay away from them you know what i'm saying so so you can't judge on paper yeah this is where your your actual knowledge comes to play this is why i can't stand things like CompuBox and whatnot on on television because you you're, you're telling somebody how to think instead of letting them think for themselves you have to be able to watch and figure out on your own if somebody can fight or if somebody can't fight. If somebody's lacking in some department or somebody's not lacking in some department. You have to figure it out on your own. If you consider yourself a boxing fan, a boxing uh, expert, a so-called, so to speak, if you're watching boxing every week for the past four years or whatnot, then you should be able to figure this out on your own. It doesn't matter what's on paper because a lot of times guys won't get in the ring with these guys. It matters what is on television, what you're watching, the class, and, and, and really the um, – the, the level these guys are showing, the different wrinkles these guys are showing in each fight that they fight. You know, the, even if they're fighting guys who aren't up their level. You know what I'm saying? So, now they get in the ring with each other, all these levels that they have, I think they have a chance to really broadcast them out. And you know what's crazy about this fight? Both these guys have enough power where this fight could end in round one, this fight could end go the distance because they're so skilled. This fight could be anything. You know, so, and I don't want to hear the if it, if it ends around one. Oh man, well this guy obviously wasn't up this level. Because again, don't give me the moron thing about <laughs> judging everything on paper. Because now you see a KO one on the record, and you're like, oh well, this guy, well obviously he wasn't up this level. No, no, both of these guys are up this level, guys. Regardless of Saturday night's result, both of these fighters are at the, are of this level, and they are more than deserving of being on this level. They are elite level welterweights. So. Hopefully Saturday's a good fight, and it's not just a fight between two guys that are so good that sometimes you get a fight that's not so great between two guys that are so good. I don't expect that because here's here's why I don't expect that. Both of these guys are still at the point in their careers where they're still fighting for something. You know, like when when established champions fight, like for example Mayweather Pacquiao, they're both fighting for supreme greatness, obviously, but they're also both at a point where they're not going to go for total broke because they have something to prove. They're, they're, their place in history and greatness is already established. No risks, for, right? No unnecessary Kellen, risks. Exactly. So for Kellen Arrow, this fight, the pressure, the pressure cooker has turned up even more of a notch because both these guys have great potential, potential to be great in not only the welterweight division but in boxing in general. But neither of these guys has achieved that or anything close to that yet. So not only are they bringing all of their tools, their entire arsenal to this fight, but then they're bringing that fire that's inside them, that fire that you lose when you, when you establish yourself as a superstar, that sometimes you establish yourself too much and now you lose that sort of fire. They're both, they both haven't lost this fire. You can tell the way they're talking. You can tell the way they're going about their business in this. They're not only bringing the elite-level skills, but they're both bringing that fire. 
that, that comes with this kind of fight. And this is why you want to see guys fight each other in their prime. This is why I, sometimes, from the fan perspective, you got to be selfish and say, man, why do they have to let this fight wait? Why do you have to let it marinate? Sometimes fights let mar- are let, mar- let to be marinated. Why? Because they build up and they make bigger business later on. But later on, both guys might not be hungry anymore. You know, This fight is happening at a great time. This fight reminds me of Jamal Charlo and Jimmy Williams, which obviously didn't end up being a great fight, but on paper, you saw hungry young fighters look to establish themselves. Charlo knocked out Williams, but it didn't mean Williams wasn't a great fighter or, or a great talent. You know? It was a so, spectacular and, knockout, though, at least we saw. It was, it was. But this is the same kind of fight. This, these are the kind of fights that are great, but unless you really know your boxing, you don't understand how great they are. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully there's enough fans out there that appreciate this kind of thing. Uh, and Saturday night, we, we get a, a dynamite fight. What about the undercard, Paulie? What's on the undercard? Um, I'm, I'm here in the undercard. Hopefully we saw it on Showtime, Showtime because I like this fight. It's uh, Spado shooting off against uh, uh, George Groves, and it's a, uh, it's a fight for the WBA Super Middleweight title uh, of the world, Super Middleweight Championship of the world. So, so I hope that, uh, I hope that uh, we were able to show it on Showtime. I know Sky Sports is going to be showing it for sure. Uh, that's a good fight, too. Uh, George Groves has been a hard luck kind of guy. Uh, to me, he's a world-class fighter, and uh, we'll see if he can put get, get things together and, and uh, you know, make a win a world title and become an, yet another world champion from England. My name is Jameer Dixon, and I'm a locating Mark Fieldman for PG&E. I protect people. I protect our community. I protect our environment. When you call A11, I come out to your house, and I mark out our gas lines and our electric lines to make sure that you don't hit them when you're digging. A11 is at the heart of safety. I want people to know what's underneath them when they're digging. I'm passionate about it because every time I go on the street, I think about my own kids. A11 is a free service. Even if you're planning a garden, no project is too small to call A11. Together, we're building a better California. Game on! Don't miss a second of the NFL on CBS. With CBS All Access, subscribers can stream their local market games live and get full game day coverage on TV-connected devices and tablets. From Thursday Night Football to Sunday Doubleheaders, we have all your NFL on CBS excitement covered. Start your free trial now at cbs.com NFL. That's cbs.com NFL. So do you want to talk a little bit about what uh, we had a big weekend of boxing this past weekend? Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, I'll go to the fight that I didn't work first, uh, Crawford and Felix Diaz. I haven't seen it yet, and I was saying Felix Diaz is a, is a guy who I think could give Crawford a, a tough fight. First and foremost, I just want to say just how impressed, uh, for just from the highlights I saw of uh, the Crawford and, and uh, Diaz fight, just how impressed uh, and, and what a professional performance I'm hearing it was on the part of Crawford. I mean, to just dismantle a fighter who's really good. I mean, I like Felix Diaz. Felix Diaz is very capable, Olympic gold medalist, uh, good skills, uh, uh, a lot of heart, a lot of heart, Paul. He showed so much heart. He kept coming. He kept coming. Like, like you'd have to drop an anvil on this guy to stop him from well, coming. You know, he's never won a world title, so he's you know hoping. Uh, you know, at that point, once before you've won your first world title, you always you always have that extra hunger, that extra de- desire inside you. You know, and so so uh, very impressed with the way Crawford handled this. You know, because this was a very professional performance in, in, in being able to dominate a guy who was this good because. Again, just because he didn't have the fame on paper, Felix Diaz didn't mean he was capable. I mean, Felix Diaz was really, really good. I mean, he beat Samuel Vasquez, who was, a, who was undefeated at the time and is a good, is, is a good solid uh, talent. Uh, he lost a close fight uh, to Lamont Peterson, that's super lightweight. Uh, Lamont is super lightweight. was very difficult to handle. You know, um, so, you know, the way Crawford was able to totally dismantle him, I mean, that is ultra, ultra impressive, you know. For me, it might be the most uh, impressive one on, on Crawford's uh, on Crawford's resume right now because Diaz may not have on paper the 
the uh, the the resume that everybody else, that some of the other guys had, uh, like Postal was coming off a win over Lucas Matisse and whatnot, uh, when Crawford beat him. But but nonetheless, this is a, was a highly skilled guy, and for him to, to to dominate him like this, it was really something impressive. I mean, and Crawford took some shots from Diaz too. He took him really well. I, I think Roy Jones said that he was 157 pounds in that fight as well. He looked real big for that weight class. And, wow. and, the, and the talk after the fight with Crawford was uh, 147, man. He's even talking about fighting Thurman. So how do you, can you throw him? I mean, he hasn't fought welterweight, obviously, but would you even throw his name in with the other names that you mentioned earlier? Um, I, I don't because I, I think physically, I don't know how, I don't know how Crawford's going to match up physically. I think talent-wise, he's going to match up with anybody in the world. But physically, uh, when you have guys uh, pushing you around in those clenches, uh, you're feeling those clenches more and whatnot. It, it it alters the the way you would end up fighting a fight, you know. So I'd like to see Crawford, um, you know, in some welterweight fights against not all the big names right away, you know, if, he's, if that's what he's going to do, if he's going to go to welterweight. Because it's not easy to go from uh, from lightweight uh, to welterweight eventually, you know. So so he's doing he's taking his time doing it, but um, you will be the smaller man, and and in the welterweight division, you're not only dealing with. Uh, really great fighters right now. You're also dealing with really great fighters that are also naturally bigger. So, so I like to see Crawford kind of ease his way in. He's been terrific at lightweight. He's been terrific at super lightweight. Uh, really, really uh, extremely high-level credentials. But uh, welterweight, I think, will be a different animal. So you just got to, I think, he's got to take his time and then uh, and just pick the right spots. And he might, I uh, think about one more fight uh, to unify all the belts at uh, 140. Yeah, it's possible. You know, I think the Julius Ndongo fight would be a great fight for him. You know, uh, Ndongo is a, is a unified champion after uh, beating Swarnowski for the IBF title and then Ricky Burns for the WBA title. I mean, I don't see why Crawford should not uh, go and unify with with uh, Ndongo. You know, so so I think uh, that would be terrific. Does Crawford have two belts at one point? Yep, he does. It's a B- BO and uh, BC. Correct. Okay, so then this would unify all four titles. So I think it, the, the fight makes total sense. Um, I think it should be made, and uh, and uh, having said that, you know, once he's able to do that, because Ndongo's weird and he's awkward and whatnot, but Crawford, it's Crawford is just class. I mean, this is a once in a once in a generation type of fighter, you know, uh, uh, just so many different skills, and so um, uh, you know, I think uh, he handled Ndongo. I'm sure will come hungry and ready and not be and not be so willing to give up his two belts, but uh, after that, then maybe he can uh, see where he's going to go locally, you know. Yes, sir. All right, let's talk about Showtime. Showtime fights. Uh, first of all, I thought it was a horrible decision with Bartholomew and Relic. Um, I think Bartholomew is clearly the better fighter. I mean, he's more skilled and whatnot, but he got out fought. And if you get out fought, it doesn't matter if you're more skilled, he got out fought. And I thought Relic out, out fought Bartholomew. Relic, for me, really uh, impressed me a lot. Um, I thought he was a guy who was coming in a, a bit overrated because, you know, he lost a close decision to Ricky Burns, which could have... You know he could have got it, but you know it was close, and it wasn't a, a it wasn't exactly a uh, a crime that Burns got the decision. And then I saw how how badly Burns got dominated by Ndongo, and I thought, okay, this guy's was shot. You know, so I really how much how how much did Relic really do in the way he fought Burns? You know, and uh, even fighting him closer competitive. You know, if he was fighting a shot fighter. So I thought a guy in Bartholomew who I had seen before and was really clutch. I thought, all right, you know he's gonna he's probably gonna dismantle this guy, Bartholomew. Got out fought. Um, he was a bit uh, confused. He, he got hurt uh, in the fight. I mean, there was knockdowns on both sides. Uh, uh, Bartholomew got hurt uh, to the head, and Rella got hurt to the body. Um, 
but um, I, I thought he was much more consistent than Bartholomew. You could tell Bartholomew's more classy. You know, he switches stances and he's and he gives you different looks and whatnot. But he just was not throwing any punches for two large chunks of the rounds. I mean, the one was it was it one seventeen one ten scorecard. Seth, oh, I got I got the scores here. That's what I was just going to say. To you. It's so lopsided. One sixteen one ten one fifteen one eleven one seventeen one oh nine. It's just it's almost like they got they read yeah. the wrong name. Yeah, yeah. You, you gotta like 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 if you don't. Like when you rob somebody that badly, the punishment should be you get locked up in the room in a room with that fighter for about ten minutes, <laughs> and he can do as he pleases with you, and then you just beat the beat the living shit out of you. I think people you know, would buy that minutes. on pay per view. You're not, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to get out of the room with the fighter for ten minutes. You know, for ten minutes he can beat the life out of you as uh, he chooses. Or he'll he be dead, Paulie. He can let you slide. Ten minutes you know? is so, too long. It's, he'll be dead. No, ten minutes because I'm sure the fighter's gonna need breaks too. You know, he just fought a twelve rounder. You know? so, <laughs> so, so you know. Uh, and this way, uh, you'll, you'll eliminate some of these decisions. You know, this is horrible. This is totally brutal. You know, um, really deserve better. You can't. You know, now you got to make the guy like paranoid to travel. I mean, he traveled to Scotland, lost a close decision, which he felt he won. Um, travels now to the U.S., loses a, a, a decision which nobody should feel he he, he lost. So, so um, the fact they found three guys that figured out a way to, that he lost is just amazing. It blows me away. And we had some controversy. Actually, yeah, before that, that before that, we had Gervonta, right? Yeah, we. Oh, yeah, we had Gervonta and Liam Walsh first. I mean, Gervonta living up to the hype so far. I mean, he's doing great. I mean, it's, I don't want to call it hype because I feel like it's a bad word. But hype is what you generate when you when every, when there's so much expected of you. So it's not really a bad word, but sometimes people use it in a bad way. I mean, Gervonta's living up to the hype. So much is expected of him, and uh, he's living up to it now with the uh, with the, these kind of performances. I got to be honest. I thought the stoppage was fine. Um, we 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 worked the fight for Showtime, but we we took we then we took the live call from BT. We kind of led into it, talked about the fighters, and then took the live call from BT Sports, and then and then we came back to us and talked about it again. I thought there was no problem with the stoppage. Um, I thought there was no problem with the way Javante was fighting. I, I I was actually a little bit uh, ticked off with the BT commentators because they were talking about it as if it was Javante who wasn't making the fight. Javante was holding his ground. It was Liam Walsh who wasn't making the fight, you know, and it was a little bit hesitant. And right, it's fine if you're hesitant early in the fight. It's fine as long as you get going after a while. Then once Javante rocked him, um, I, the way I saw Liam Walsh get up, I, you know, I, I've explained this on the air already. Um, I, the way I saw Liam Walsh get up, he, he was he was like half-assing it already. You know, he he didn't get up with confidence. He was sort of half-assing it, and either he, that means he was either hurt or that means he didn't want to fight. <laughs> but he got up just to let the ref. Uh, make that choice for him so that, you know, he doesn't just quit on, on, on the ground or stay hurt on the ground, you know? So there I'm a little bit confused whether he was hurt or whether he was half-assing it. But you got up with not a full commitment regardless of what it was, whether it was because you were hurt or whether it was because you were half-assing it. You got up with not the most full commitment. And the ref sees that. The ref notices that. But the ref also understands you're fighting at home, so he doesn't want to stop you on the spot. You know, so so the ref for me did Liam already a favor by letting him continue after the knockdown, which is why I was angry at the, at the commentators for maybe talking about how it was possibly an early stoppage. It cannot be an early stoppage, and the referee was basically give, doing him a favor. The referee's perspective, he's looking like he's doing, he feels like, okay, I'm going to give you a favor, you're home right now. I, I could stop you right now because you got up in the not most confident way. I could stop you right now. But you know what? I'm going to let you keep going because it's your world championship fight. You're at home. I'm going to let you keep going. That's the ref's mind. That's what's going on in the ref's mind in that moment. But once you don't respond, once you don't hold, once you don't throw a punch, 
didn't do anything. I mean, he's, he can't let you keep taking punches. I mean, Durante came over and landed a couple other shots. You left the referee no choice but to stop it. So then you can't complain at that point. You're not no. allowed to complain because then you – what happens if you if we take you seriously, then, then, then you know, how are we going to – if we start taking guys like this seriously – then, you know, how does it look on the guys who really, really do get stopped early and have, really have, a, have a, a legitimate gripe sometimes? Because sometimes it happens. Sometimes fighters do get stopped early and they have a legitimate gripe. Liam Walsh is not in one of those positions. I'm sorry. He was not in one of those positions. He was stopped rightfully so in the right moment. And I think the ref did a good job. And Jolanta looked, uh, looked good. A little, little soul star because it was, a, it was the kind of fight where they were both looking to set traps and counterpunch and whatnot. But uh, Jolanta was looking for it. He was going for it. He realized he had a a bit of an intimidated opponent in front of him, and he, and he took him out uh, like a champion. Yes, he did. Uh, then with Scott Tiggy and, and Darrell, I got to say, I was talking about with Scott Tiggy last week. I was saying how he was a live underdog. And, uh, I, you know, I rest my case. I hope you, uh, enough of you guys saw with Scott Tiggy to know that this guy is a legitimate, dangerous threat in, in the super middleweight division. Unfortunately, he didn't get the win Saturday for him, unfortunately. And that well, the reason I say unfortunately is not because I'm against Darrell, because I'm also friend, friendly with Andre Darrell. The reason I say unfortunately for Uskatsugi is because nobody's going to fight this guy now. When you have the guy this dangerous, with this hard with both hands, and you don't have to fight him, then you don't fight him. Right. This is what happens in boxing. You know? So he was putting himself in a position to be the mandatory uh, if he beat Darrell, and that would have put the guys in positions to have to fight him because then he would have had a chance to fight him for a world title. Um, but now that he's lost this fight, I don't know. It's, it's going to be, for me, in my mind, it's going to be very hard for Uskatsugi to get fights. And if Uskatsugi is very difficult for him to get fights, you know, you may not see him very often all the time, which is a real shame. But this guy's a real dangerous guy, and not only he's a real dangerous guy as a puncher, he's a real dangerous guy as a fighter too. He knows how to fight. He was winning and, the uh, fight, right? I mean, at the time, he was winning. The... Because here's the thing: I have three gripes with the fight. Three gripes, but in the end, the, the third gripe overcomes the first two gripes, and, uh, and unfortunately for Scott because the first two are in his favor. Number one gripe: Andre goes down. The referee tells him to get up. Uh, and Andre looks like he's going to be okay. You know what I mean? Because the referee, he realizes the ref's telling him to get up, so he's like, okay, you know, I got to get up, because otherwise I, I, it seems like the ref wants me to get up. You know, the ref's not giving me out here. The ref goes to the corner, and I don't know what he's, who he's talking to. I think he starts talking to his corner or the, or the, um, or the commissioner or whatnot, telling him, you know, he got hit after the bell or whatnot. While he's in the corner, you see Andre looking outside the ring. Andre's looking outside the ring and Anthony Durrell. You don't see it on camera. He's looking outside the ring and Anthony Durrell. Anthony Durrell is telling him, you got hit after the bell, it's a foul. You got hit after the bell. You definitely got hit after the bell. Knowing that, okay, if you stay down, you know, you're gonna, you, you might win this fight, you know? So basically tell him to stay down, not in so many words. So what does Andre do? Andre, now he was fine. By the time the referee turns back around, Andre's putting his face, his face on the floor and he's laying down and he's not seeing, and he can't see, and he's going blind and all that stuff. <laughs> Again, it's not, I, I'm not in the position. I know he's finding a, a, a real hard puncher. Andre Durrell is a, is a fighter, is a, is a world-class fighter, okay? But, you know, Andre also is, is, has shown in the past, as, uh, for me, he's the most talented guy in boxing, hands down the most talented. He's literally the guy with the most talent in boxing. But he's shown a little bit of a lack of desire on his part at times, you know, a little bit of bad luck, a little bit of lack of desire. So he goes down. Late down, the referee comes in, the doctors come in, it's all melee in the ring at that point. Which brings me to part number two. Part number one was Anthony telling him to stay down. Part number two... Andre's down on his back. The doctor is looking at him. And I said this on the air. The doctor's looking at him. The referee comes into the picture. Andre now hears the referee because he's right in the midst of everything. And he says, I'm disqualifying him. He's, he, got, he hit him after the bell. I'm disqualifying him. So you don't say that in front of the fighter because if the fighter 
shouldn't be allowed to know what the decision of the referee is going to be. You know what I'm saying? Because you could still say it's an accidental foul and you go to the scorecards. And if you go to the scorecards, Andre has to know in his mind, hey, man, you know, I might have to get up because, you know, this fight might be hanging in the balance over here, you know? So, so instead, now you've, want, you've allowed Andre to be in the know, and being in the know means he knows that this fight's over. If I stay down, if I say I can't continue, this fight's over. So what am I going to get up for? I'm fighting a monster puncher. This is a very tough fight. For both of us, it's a very tough fight. It's a very tough fight. I'm, I'm, I'm able to slide out of here with a victory if I just stay down right now. So I'm going to stay down. You know, you give him that option. Again, I'm not saying Andre may have been able to get up or not, but you're just not supposed to do that as a referee. You're not supposed to give him that option. Right. You've you got to keep that to yourself, whether you're going to call it a disqualification or whether you're going to call it uh, an accidental foul and go to scorecards. You can't let the fighter know what you just decided, okay? Because at that point, the fighter has no reason to continue anymore. Why would he continue? He's got a guaranteed victory here. So, so that's number two that my issue was the referee. But number three, unfortunately, overtakes number one and two. And number three is this. At the end of round two, Wiskotsky got warned for a clear foul after the bell, punching after the bell. Clear foul. Wiskotsky was warned, don't do that. He was given a very hard warning by the referee, Clancy. So you know this already, number one. You know you've been warned hard, number one. Number two, you also know that in Andre Durrell, you have a fighter who's probably looking for a way out of the fight that he's shown in the past. You know, I'm not saying he faked it against Abraham. Maybe, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. It's not up to me to judge that. But also in the call Frosh fight, I remember Nottingham, he threw himself on the floor. Like, you're not going to get called disqualified in England, bro. It's not going to happen. So get up. You know, so but he threw himself on the floor. I remember one of those clenches where call was getting rough. He just tossed himself on the floor and, like, tried to make, like, he died for a minute, you know? Flop. So, yeah. Yeah. No, well, well, yeah, I guess flop. But, but, you know, and then obviously he continued, and it was a close fight, and it was obviously very close. It could have even won his way. But, nonetheless, this is a kid that's so talented. He can win the fight on his own. He's so talented, so skilled. He can win the fight on his own. He can win every fight on his own. If he's this talented, he's this skilled. But unfortunately, his desire has to catch up to his boxing skills. And I think, you know, as he's getting older, he's got a little bit more desire. But nonetheless, it's still a character trait. It's still a slight flaw. Because for me, Andre has all-time great talent. But he, he's not going to be an all-time great. As at 33 years old, he's yet to even win a world championship. You know, so, so um, in this moment, you hit him after the belt, he goes down. You know what, bro? You've already been warned. Number one, you've been warned, Wiskotsky. Number two, you should know, fighting Andre Durrell, you're going to fight, be fighting a guy who's going to look for a way out if he gets a chance to get a way out. You know, you're gonna, you already know this. He's done it before. You know, you're gonna look, you know he's going to be looking for a way out if you give him a way out. So two reasons you have. One was the foul and the hard warning you got in round two. The other one is knowing Andre Durrell and who he is at this point in his career, and, and we all know who Andre Durrell is, who is an extremely talented fighter whose desire might be lacking in that department. So what do you do? You hit him after the bell again. Well, dude, I can't feel bad at that point. Yeah, you, you, you had it coming. You had it coming. You know what? There's nothing you can do. You, 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 you should have known that. You should have been smarter. In the end, it's even more of a shame for Scott to you because he was one on two scorecards. But, dude, you got to be smarter than that. I'm sorry. You got to be smarter than that. Right, well, uh, the, fight, the fight itself was competitive. I thought it was a high-level fight between two high-level fighters. A lot of skills by Terrell and his style. A lot of skills from Wisconsin and from his perspective as well. You know, a lot of Andre, what Andre Durrell does is he's so fast and he's so sharp. He relies on putting you out of position. Wisconsin, he never got out of position, even when he was taking some shots. He remained in position, remained with the pressure, remained balanced more, more so than anything, so that he's able to punch at all times, you know? 
Same thing goes under the row. You're going backwards. You got a lot of pressure. You got a guy constantly in your face. A lot of times you start to overcommit the defense because you start to panic. This guy can punch. He's pressuring me every second of the fight. You start to panic. What do you start to do? You start to overcommit the defense because he's constantly in your face and he's dangerous. Andre never overcommitted the defense. He stayed in the pocket, uh, not in the pocket, but right outside of punching range. Even when he was doing pressure on the ropes consistently, used his jab, used little, little hip steps here, little, st- little step there, little feints, used that jab, used that cross once in a while. Never panicked or overcommitted to defense. Both guys held their position terrific throughout the whole fight. That's why I tell you it's a high-skill, high-level fight because positioning is one of the most important things in boxing and it's so hard to, to master uh, uh, unless you have a ton of experience and you have a ton of talent and skill. You know? Both of these guys had that. So a little bit of a disappointing ending to a fight between two very good fighters, but in the end, I, I can't have qualms with it. Even though I don't like the way it got there, I can't have qualms with the final decision. Give us, uh, give us, take us to ringside and, and, and give us your perspective on the extracurricular activity outside the ring and then inside the ring. What, well, what, outside the ring, I, you know, I don't like the whole uh, uh, Leon Wilson punching Scott Tiggy. You know, here's, a, here's, what I, here's what I don't like about that. All right, uh, this has happened before, Andre, okay? And this is what I don't like about it. Well, Scott Tiggy literally has no family. They're all in Venezuela or Mexico. You know, he's just a, uh, he's just a guy who's a nice guy, and he's, you know, he's fighting. Don't get me wrong, he's probably frustrated. He probably hit it after a belt because the belt was so slippery. You can, if you're ringside, I'm telling you, this guy makes you miss by millimeters so many times that I'm sure you get frustrated if you're a pressure fighter. So you just want to crack him, you know? But here's what you do. I mean, you, you, you got the foul, so you got disqualified. It's not the first time that this happens in the row. And again, maybe Abraham was very frustrated as well in the same manner. He did. But when it happened with Abraham, everybody shook hands. Okay, all right, we got, we got the win, whatever it was. Now what happens with Scott? He, he's alone. He's alone. He's not, you know, he's, he doesn't have a crew with him. He doesn't have anybody with him. He's just a guy from Venezuela who's got his team. He's a nice kid. Uh, maybe the foul was intentional, whatever. But he's still a good kid. And, you know, he deserved what he got. He got the disqualification loss. You got the win, okay? And now he gets sucker punched by uh, Andre's uncle. The reason why, here's why I, don't, why I don't like this. Here's why I don't like this, okay? If, if you were, if this kind of thing ticked you off, you would have already done it in the Arthur Abraham fight. But you know why you didn't do it in the Arthur Abraham fight? Because Arthur Abraham has 30, 30 animalistic Armenians in the crowd that will come in the ring and fuck you all up. You understand me? <laughs> That's why. So you don't want to deal with that in the Arthur Abraham fight because Arthur Abraham's people come to fight you. And you saw that in the Edison Miranda fight when his brother jumped in the ring and wanted to start kicking people and everything in the Florida fight where Arthur Abraham fought Edison Miranda. Arthur Abraham's brother and his, and his friends, they'll come to fight. They'll, they'll throw down. Okay, so you didn't, that's what I don't like, because if I'd seen that in the Arthur Abraham fight, then I would have said, hey, man, you know what, we just know they're just temperamental people, they don't like when their guy gets fouled, and this happens, and although it would have been right, I would have understood it. The reason I cannot even give you the benefit of the doubt for understanding it is because you didn't do shit in the Arthur Abraham fight. You took it, you took it, you took the win, you, you put your head down with the win, and you went back to the locker room, and you, at least you were able to celebrate a win. This time, you would have been able to celebrate a win the exact same way, but now you know who's stopping he's by himself. He literally has nobody in the crowd. You know what I'm saying? He's just got a handful of people in his corner, and that's it. So there you are. You know you got 20, 30 people in the crowd for you, so now all of a sudden, let's start a riot. That's what I don't like, okay? If you're going to be a certain way, be a certain way all the time. Don't be a certain way only when it's convenient for you, you know? So that's what I, that's what I didn't like about that. And what should happen to him? I mean, I mean we don't know what's happening. I'm not going to get into the whole law enforcement issue. I mean, hey, listen, you, you, you did it on camera, so, I mean, what's going to happen to him is going to happen to him. You know, uh, it wasn't right. It wasn't just. I, I don't condone that kind of stuff. And uh, and that's it. Oh, it's what funny, I'm man. Is, what I'm saying is I would have been more understanding of it had I right. seen it in the Arthur Abraham fight as well. But I did not see it in the Arthur Abraham fight as well because in the Arthur Abraham fight, you do that, you're risking yourself getting fucked up by a lot of people. So, 
So therefore, he, he knew not to do it. That's what I don't like. Because if you're going to do that kind of thing, you're going you're to do it every single time. You right. don't just do it when he's when it's convenient for you. That and, was that, that's, I'm going to leave it at that. And you sit on there, you're like, oh, look, he didn't even blink when he got hit. <laughs> yeah, he didn't blink. You know, it was got to get short a good chin, man. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you. <laughs> All right, we got one more fight to talk about. Yeah, the Gary Russell fight, right? Yep. Uh, Escandone came with a lot of heart, he, uh, determination. You know, he told us he was going to come bring it all. You know, when guys are fighting for their dream, when guys have never won a world championship, you know, they're still fighting for that dream. You know, once you've won a world championship, the loss, not that the loss to disappears because it's always special, but, you know, that first world championship, you're going to give your heart out. You're going to fight your heart out for it. You know what I mean? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna live, you're going to get three quarters of your life to, to win that world title if you can win it, you know? So I thought, I thought Escandone came with that kind of determination. And it made for a fun fight. He made Russell work for it. And I was saying during the broadcast, I was saying, Gary, he's winning the fight, but he's being made to suffer in this fight. You know, and why is he being made to suffer? Because he's being made to work very hard every single round. Even if he's pummeling Escondone, he's got a lot of work he's doing. You know, it's, it's, it's oxygen you're consuming. It's energy you're consuming. So, uh, Chris Escondone will never stop coming, never stop trying. But Russell's just too good, man. I mean, Russell's just time and again keeps showing us just how good he is. He's just too good. You just can't mess with that kid. Where do you where do you rank him with the featherweights? It's a great division right now. Um, I probably rate him the best featherweight in the world. It's just you know I don't think I, I think he's gonna have the Errol Spence and Kelbrook problem and the Golovkin problem. You know most of the guys are not gonna go near him, so it's gonna be very difficult to uh, figure things out. He may he told us uh, in the fighter meeting the day before that if he didn't get a unification after this win, he was either gonna he was probably just gonna go up and wait to one thirty. You know so. I guess uh, we'll find out. And people start asking, oh, what about Javante? No, Javante's 22 years old. I don't see Mayweather putting his 22-year-old young stud with a guy like Gary Russell just yet. They're just He just doesn't have to. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, I know it's fun. You want to see Javante fight everybody and their mothers now because he's a young phenom. He's fun. But you also don't want to burn the kid out. You don't want to Meldrick Taylor anybody. You know, we all know what happened to Meldrick Taylor. I mean, I think I hope that's a lesson learned for everybody. Like, just because you, you achieve stardom at a young age doesn't mean we got to burn you out by 26, 27. You know, so, so uh so, nonetheless, if, if Russell goes up to 130, I think they're awesome fun fights there. And not that uh, Canelo would have won if he was older, but even him fighting Mayweather at such a young age, you know, the inexperience, a, a big fight experience. Definitely, yeah, yeah, big know. fight inexperience. But, uh, you know, when you're making, what, what are you making? Oh, $50 million for the fight? So, you'll I mean, take it. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to take it. You know you're going to remain a star. A guy like Canelo, a lot of the rules don't apply when you're that much of a star. And Canelo was always going to be that kind of a star. So, a lot of the rules that will apply to other people don't always have to apply. It's not, I'm not saying it's fair, it's just the way it is. Because, I hear you. You know, the business treats you better because you sell so many tickets and you're, and you're just such a popular fighter. So, so with Canelo, you were able to take that chance, you know? You're not able to take that chance with everybody. Some, some guys, you got to do things by the book, and some guys, you can kind of go outside the book because they're so popular, you know? Um, that was a calculated risk, and, uh, you know, they were paid for it, you know? But uh, I think everything's, I think most of the time, you want to do things by the book. Yes, sir. Uh, so we want to remind our listeners, uh, rate us on iTunes, give us five stars, leave comments. That actually helps the show. We'd appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and tweet Stephen Espinosa and Showtime Boxing. Every time you tweet about the, t- the podcast, you've got to tweet. You've got to link Showtime Boxing and Stephen Espinosa. And uh, what's Chris DeBlasio's Twitter? Is it Chris DeBlasio? I don't even know what his, what his Twitter is. Oh, uh, I have it. I don't know I don't know it offhand. But, but go to Stephen Espinosa and, uh, and, uh, and Gordon Hall. Stephen Espinosa, Gordon Hall, Showtime Boxing. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta link these guys in whenever you guys uh, have something to say good about the podcast, so that they see, so that they uh, are able to kind of push us a little more, and and you know maybe give us some funding to keep the podcast on a more consistent basis. So we know you guys like it. We hope you guys like it, but you know we'll be able to do a lot more of that kind of stuff if we have Showtime's backing, not just in name, but in actually in doing something. You know, like you know we uh, like like coming to the range or coming to the press conferences and doing stuff. You know. Uh, 
we hope you guys like, we hope you guys enjoy it, but we also need that funding. Otherwise, we don't, we're not going to be able to do anything. You know, plus, you know, well, Peter Carr says work. Peter Carr is having another kid. You know, he's got, <laughs> he's got responsibilities. He's got a handle. He can't just be recording podcasts whenever he wants to, you know, but, but if it may, if it's makes, if it's made to be worth his while, then he'll be able to do it. So we need, uh, we need some backing. Yes, sir. All right, man. Uh, have a safe trip, man. I'll be thinking about you, and I'm looking forward to listening to your call of the fight. All right, guys. Uh, thank you. Thanks for listening. Uh, all of my UK fans, keep your heads up, man. I'll see you guys over the weekend, and uh, on to the next show. Bye-bye. All right, Paul. Take care.